Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. You're listening to the Talking Metal Podcast with your host, Mark Striegel, and special guest co-host, Victor M. Ruiz iTunes number one hard rock and metal podcast. I'm Bud Friendly. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Victor. Welcome one and all to another episode of Talking Metal Live pre-July 4th. I'm sure the fireworks are going on in your neck of the woods, Mark Striegel. Nope. No, <laughs> no, it's it's like a major thunderstorm going on right now. It's Hurricane Arthur. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, man, it's like there's no chance of fireworks going on tonight, July third. They were actually canceled in some of the neighboring towns. My town is having them tomorrow night, but we'll even see if that happens because it's supposed to go on for a while. And if we do lose electricity, you will lose me, and Victor will carry on the show by himself. So, just a, a little, a little warning there. Excellent. I have a, a bunch of different notes that I've jotted down, even without knowing that. So, okay, like- cool. Well, <laughs> let's talk about our special guest. We had two people booked for tonight's live show. Tonight is July third, two thousand fourteen. Uh, one canceled, which is actually okay. It'll give us more time with our first guest, and we'll will be a little less rushed. Why don't you tell us who's on the show tonight, Victor? Absolutely. We have Ernie C, lead guitarist, uh, producer, and the or one of the main composers in the band Body Count, and actually a band that I've followed since its inception, so I'm actually thrilled to be able to talk to the guy. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? I'm, I'm excited to talk to him, too. And, you know, I was never a hardcore body count fan, like it sounds like maybe you were, but I was always very aware of them and remembered 
MTV News covering them and all the the big controversy. And I, I had a mixtape with some of their songs on it. So I'm definitely not an aficionado when it comes to Body Count, but. I got to tell you, the new record I really like a lot. My friend George, who's handling PR on it, sent it over. And there's some great stuff on there. There's some great kind of covers. They're not exactly covers, though. They actually do their own take on 99 Problems by Jay-Z. They do an amazing, fun, funny cover of Institutionalized, the suicidal tendencies classic which i i it just put such a big smile on my face the first time i heard that and then the original songs i think are really really strong yeah i i would agree um their first album is definitely their strongest album the one that they're most known for due to various controversies um i have everything that they've put out their second album is very strong also it's got a bunch of pretty cool tracks on it actually ernie c sings lead on one of the singles that was released on uh, off of that album off of born dead the third album uh is pretty good as well isn't as strong as the first two but it has some you know decent material on it and they released an album back in 06 which um isn't as strong as the others in my opinion but if you go back and and read a little of the history behind it uh, the band was actually formed by five guys that went to high school together, even though they didn't immediately get together. Um, while that album was being recorded, two of the original members died as a result of various uh, diseases, and one was actually killed in a in a drive-by. So um, with all that turmoil, you can sort of understand why maybe that album isn't as strong as some of the others, but... I'm right there with you, Mark. This album is really a, a return to force by the band. It's definitely, um, uh, I don't want to say as strong as the first album, only because it really goes in another direction with, you know, the, the two covers that you mentioned. Uh, but the riffs are, are back to what they were with that first album. They're they're all pretty strong. And, and similar to you, I mean, I... I really enjoyed everything that that is on the album, so I, I think it's going to be really cool to talk to Ernie. Cool, yeah. We will have him hopefully on the phone in about fifteen minutes. I'm going to send a confirmation email to the PR guy in just a second, letting him know we are ready. And wanted to ask you about an appearance you had on Decibel Geek podcast. Is that correct? You were on there talking about Anthrax. That is correct. I spent uh, last Sunday night talking to the guys for about three hours. Three hours? <laughs> what the fuck? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it, it's being split up into two separate episodes. Part one just came out. Which and is you about were talking now. about Anthrax for three hours? Yes. Um, Holy shit. It... On that note, I'm... Whoa, hello. <laughs> yes, I'm here. What sure. did you talk about for three hours? Uh, basically, this is similar to their Judas Priest series that they had, uh, where and with other bands where they've essentially gone and discussed a band's history. And this is actually like three years in the making. Uh, we discussed this a very long time ago when those guys started up podcasting, and you know they've been going back and forth with me about doing it, and it right. just never, you know, things just never worked out. And over the course of the last month and a half, 
between me being sick, between Chris being sick and Aaron being sick, it just didn't work out. And finally, last Sunday, uh, I guess the planet sort of aligned there. And um, I mean, I would definitely say that Anthrax is easily one of my five favorite groups of all time. So it was fun to talk about them and all of their albums and a lot of albums that and tracks that you know, maybe a lot of people just didn't get into for whatever reason. Maybe, you know, it wasn't cool to like the uh, John Bush era. Um, maybe. I believe I saw know. the first, I want to, I think I saw the first concert with John Bush. That might be okay. totally wrong. But I remember going to see them at the, was it the Palladium? Somewhere in New York City. And it was, if not their first show, it was like one of their first shows. Right. Were you a big fan of the band with Belladonna? Yeah, I mean, I would say yes, especially the Among the Living record. I just loved, loved, loved that record. And, okay. you know, I, I, I really enjoyed the some of the John Bush stuff. But for me, I guess I wasn't a hardcore fan because for me it was all about that record, Among the Living, for the most part, you know. And and just thought that that record was phenomenal from start and to that, finish. Yeah, and that and that's the case for a lot of fans. Um, I, I remember when I got to talk to uh, both Charlie and John at, at, during two different interviews. They sort of had the same sort of feeling that they understood that that album sort of stood out to people. Uh, I guess their sort of peeve was that people sort of listened to that album and wouldn't give a lot of the Bush era material a chance. Now, a, a lot of it, you know, obviously steers way off track if if you're a big fan of Among the Living and Spreading the Disease. Um, but at the same time, I had Charlie explain to me that, um, that he had all this music that he had written and it just wasn't going to fit that mold and he had to put it out somehow. So, now, what was the last record they did with John Bush? The last one was We've Come For You All. Yeah, I thought that had a couple really strong songs on it. Yeah, that album I, I just revisited before and actually listened to the entire catalog before doing this episode with those guys. And although I always thought that was a strong album, I don't think I appreciated it as much when it first came out as I just did when I revisited the album. And I think it really has... A bunch of really strong tracks that fit into their catalog, you know, into their legacy per se. Uh, I also think that the last album that they put out, Worship Music, I think initially I also underappreciated the album because of all the things that went on. You know, I got to see them with Dan Nelson live actually on vocals, was a big fan of that Bush era. So with right. everything that was going on, you know, it was sort of a letdown at first hearing that album with Joey because I had heard some of those songs with Dan Nelson and they just sounded, you know, a little stronger with him. But after revisiting the album and sort of having none of this, you know, nonsense about, you know, the album being album of the year or the best album in 30 years by the band and, and none of that, you know, I just sort of sat down, listened to it with no pressure whatsoever. I thought the album was really good and really strong. I mean, to me, it probably, you know, ranks up there with one of their stronger albums because I do think it does show 
growth for them as a band. And I think Joey did ultimately, you know, do justice to those songs. Uh, interestingly enough, what a lot of people forget all these years later is that, you know, Joey had two stabs at that album. John Bush had a stab at that album. Corey Taylor was also rumored to be part yeah, of that. That's right. And also Dan Nelson. So uh, I don't know how far some of them were involved with demos or, or whatnot, but um, I don't know. W with something like that, do you think there's enough of a market out there that you think demos with Corey Taylor singing tracks or even you know, Dan Nelson, who actually recorded all the tracks, do you think that there would be enough of a demand out there to actually release that at some point in the future? Oh, I don't know. Maybe with Corey, I don't think anybody cares about Dan Nelson. Right. Didn't Bumblefoot do a record with Dan Nelson that like went totally sour? And <laughs> I, yes, yeah. What well, has he ever come? I remember him telling me privately about that, but I, has he ever spoken about that? Uh, he yeah. actually, I brought it up actually when I interviewed him. And he actually talked to me for about 40 minutes about the project that he did with him. Wow. And he, pro he made me promise that I would never air that portion of the interview. Uh, After he speaks for 40 minutes about it. Yes. Oh. He said, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about it, but you have to promise me that, um, you know, this doesn't air because things were not pleasant. And lawyers got involved, and you know I don't want any lawyers to get involved again if an interview airs, and I can't, you know, promise that, um, you know, if we air anything regarding him and me, that you know lawyers may not get involved, and blah blah blah. Just please don't air it. Bumblefoot's and, one of these guys, and I love him, but if I could tell you half the stuff he's told me, you know, in private, <laughs> it, it, it would be. Uh, it would make such a great episode of Talking Metal, but I'm not going to, right? Because he uh, is is uh, he trusts people, you know, and you don't want to betray that trust. And I respect Absolutely. that definitely. So, let's see what time we got. We got eight thirty eight. Do you want to get into a song? Um, or should we wait a few minutes? I'm trying to think here. How long is the Body Count song you have? The the first one that I've queued up is a little under four minutes. Okay, well then, let's let's hold off for another few minutes, and we'll queue it up, and okay. we will uh, hopefully have Ernie on on the line. I wanted to mention to the Talking Metal listeners, we could really use some support, guys. There's a PayPal donation tab on TalkingMetal.com. You guys are using those Amazon links. That's great. Go to the show notes for today's episode. Open up your your Amazon and make your purchase. The PayPal tab has been really dry lately, so I would love a few do donations on that, even if it's just five bucks. I love it. Send us some some support, financial and emotional support when we get those. I, I really appreciate anything you guys can throw our way. And also support Victor. Victor is the guest co-host on today's episode and on a lot of episodes of Talking Metal. You guys really seem to like it when Victor's on and you like the discussion that he and I have. Show him some love by just listening to his podcast, Mars Attacks, which you can get on our site, TalkingMetal.com. Just go to the Mars Attacks section and take a listen. The latest episode that went up has 
Tommy Victor from Prong. How was that? I didn't listen to it yet. You enjoy talking with Tommy? Yeah, that's actually the second time I got to speak to him, and, and it was cool because we sort of focused it on their new album. The last time that I spoke to him was about uh, their album Cleansing, which I included as part of uh, my classic album series. So it was cool to talk to him about that album then and then this new album uh, a few weeks back. What's cool about the new album is that he's really taking it up a notch with his vocals for this track. It's much more melodic than any other prong album in the past, so we discussed that a lot. And then I oh. had him comment on three of the upcoming albums that are going to be featured, and I thought it would be cool to discuss some of these albums just because of his history, where he grew up, uh, the time and place where some of these bands actually you know, sort of erupted was uh, around the same time as, as Prong. So he had some really unique, unique insight. And it was really more of a history lesson for me because there were a lot of things that he talked about regarding CBGBs and things like that. That was really cool. And that's all in the episode. Cool. I always liked Prong until that guy hit on my girlfriend. And then I, I always didn't like him after that. And it was kind of weird how that works. It's happened with a few different bands, actually. But... um. Let's get into a song, and hopefully we'll have Ernie on the line when we come back. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds perfect. What do you got queued up there? I have the track Bowels of the Devil off of the first uh, Body Count album, and this is always introed by Ice-T as being a song about being in prison. So Let's check it out right now on Talking Metal. Stay tuned for our interview with Ernie C. Yeah! 
We are back. That was Little Body Count off of their new album, Manslaughter. name of that track is Enter the Dark Side. Cool. 
All right. Well, I thought we'd have Ernie C. on the line. He was scheduled to call us at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is now 8.50 Eastern Standard Time. And no Ernie C. So I just emailed George, his PR guy, to let him know we are we are ready and haven't heard back. So let's move on with the show, and hopefully we'll hear from Ernie C. soon. Maybe talk a little metal news. Victor, you sent me some talking points earlier in the evening, all of which I think are, are worth mentioning. You want to dive into that? Absolutely. Two interesting uh, uh, bass players that have left an fairly big-name bands in, in the recent uh, years, either left or, or been kicked out or whatever. There, there was news earlier today that Adam Deuce and, and Machine Head have actually settled their lawsuit out of court, and that was looking like it was going to be something pretty nasty for, for both parties. Right. So, you know, it's cool that they were able to settle their differences, and, and hopefully they can both move on from it. Um, I know that Machine Head is actually recording their first album without Adam in the band, and and they allege that uh, he really hasn't had any input for the last 10 years or so. So it'll be interesting to see what um, what happens with them now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The, what else the, is going on in the news? Yeah, the other bass player that uh, sort of been... The, the news keep keep going back and forth where he wants to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. It's uh, Greg Christian from Testament who recently left and okay. placed once again by Steve DiGiorgio. Um, he's now alleging that he was never paid anything and that he was essentially being paid 300 bucks per show and $175 for every day that they were traveling or that there wasn't a show. And the the oddest thing out of all of this is he's saying, well, you know, no okay. one is covering. Back up. So he's getting paid how much per show? Uh, 300 uh, bucks per show. Plus 175 Right, for every day that they didn't have a show. Oh, oh. When, so on off days, he got 175 yes. Okay, I thought it was 300 plus 175 a day. Yeah, that that's low. That sounds low to me. I don't know. It it seems low, but then he he follows things up by saying that well, you know, he's the one that has to cover when he has uh, a three hundred dollar uh, food bill. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, but if I'm not making that much, I'm not going out and spending three hundred bucks a day on food. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's know. interesting. That's- like thinking about what these guys get paid. You know, I, I feel like. Like we mentioned Bumblefoot earlier, I feel like a guy like Bumblefoot in in Guns N' Roses or Frank, I've they've never told me what they make, but I feel right. like it's probably some decent money. I don't know if it's a thousand per show, or you know somebody on here to, on uh, my GNR forums was speculating five thousand a show, but I, I that I find hard to believe. That Bumblefoot could make five thousand a show. I know a guy who plays an Overkill who mm-hmm. makes such a small amount of money playing in that band that it's pitiful. Uh, he makes more when he's not in the band, driving a truck, delivering shit around New Jersey. Um, right? You know, 
and that's that's overkill. It's it's almost an honor for him to play with the band, and he is a big part of the sound. He's a big part of what they're doing, but he's really not able to make a living off of playing in that band. Quite quite right. the opposite. Whereas I think Bumble, I mean, when he's on when he's on tour with Guns N' Roses, I think they they treat him pretty well. You know, it's I think the thing he's doing with Engve now has been a little bit of a a wake up call. I mean, he's he's not really making money on that tour, which is why he's doing this whole crowdfunding thing or what Kickstarter or whatever the fuck you call it to make a little mm-hmm. extra money on the side. He spoke about that on one of our our sister podcasts here, a uh, one on one with Mitch Lafon. You know, so uh, it's 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 tough. It's it's tough for these bands and three hundred dollars a day. I'm trying to think and one seventy five. I mean, you're talking about how old is this guy? Uh, he's probably in his late 40s, I would yeah. imagine. So, do you, do, Craig, right? Does he have kids? Does he have a family? You know, if I don't know, I don't know. That's I only can compare it to like what I make and what uh, you know. It, it it sounds it sounds low to me, um, and I think it would be if you're supporting a family of four or something, uh, it, that would be tough. Especially I mean, I, off I, days, you know? Yeah, I, I guess it all comes down to how many dates they're doing, too. I mean, if if you're doing, you know, uh, five dates a week, you're making, you know, uh, 1500 bucks a week. So, you, I mean, he, he could be making in the neighborhood of six grand a month. Right. But that's if you're doing, you know, f- five shows a week. I, I don't know if that's even the case with them or not. Um, but I'm sure there's, you know, <laughs> there, there's a lot of other things that you have to factor into that. And, and like you're saying, you know, if you have a family and everything else, I mean, I'm sure that gets left behind to being nothing. Right. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it can, it makes me sad when I hear about people not making much money doing what they love and what I love seeing them do. I mean, you have to wonder even to like Metallica, like how much do you think Robert makes? I mean, in that some kind of monster movie, didn't they give him like a million dollars up front just to join the band? Yeah. They gave him a a signing bonus, like as if he was an athlete, which was almost sort of comical. And then, uh, uh, they said that he would get, I'm not sure if they said if it was an even portion, if it was a fourth. I mean, I would have to think it wouldn't be, that it would have to be less. Um, but they mentioned the the amount that, or, or like the percentage that he was going to get, and I don't remember off the top of my head. Right. I'm I'm sure that for someone like Robert Trujillo, though, he's probably making enough money off of, you know, the albums, that uh, off of the album that he's played on with the band and touring that, he's able to, you know, make ends meet. But, I mean, um, a lot of these guys get used to making a shitload of money and they they get accustomed to living a certain lifestyle. And, you know, if if one day they decide Jason Newstead is coming back, you know, which I highly doubt, but, you know, if anything like that ever takes place, you know, if if someone like that doesn't save up their money or know what they're doing, you know, they could end up like Greg Christian, only making you know right. 170, 
some odd bucks a day. Yeah, you know, on their off days. So, I mean, it's gotten to the point with hard rock and and heavy metal that you really got to love what you're doing. You really got to believe in your art to do this because a lot of these guys they're they're not getting rich like they used to 20 years ago. They're not even making a decent living really like they used to 30 years ago, you know. So it's um I think the glory days of of metal and rock in general for the most part are, aren't what they used to be and are over, you know, and and it's all about people going out there and doing this because they love it. And I mean, I, I wanted to be a rock star for a long time, for for decades. You know, I tried to make it in bands and and there was part of me that loved doing the music and making music and I consider what I did my art, you know, whether you, people think it was good or not is a whole other story, but it was to me it was, it was I was making art. But I also always had the dream like, hey, I'll break through, I'll make I'll make a good living off this. Maybe I'll get rich, you know, maybe I'll make money like Tool or or Maiden or or U2, you know. But I, I just feel like those dreams in some ways there were more you know, it was always like winning the lottery. I mean, sure, you had to have the talent, but there were there were more winning tickets back in the day than there are now. You know, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that has has maybe that'll help filter out people who aren't really in this for the art. You know, there's were so many people back in the '80s that you know they played guitar, they liked playing guitar, but they were more in it for the 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 chicks, the money, the sports cars, and maybe we're at a point now where where it's going to be f- those types of posers and people, the get-rich-quick guys, are going to be filtered out of the mix, and we're going to have music that is really created by true artists who believe in the music. Just throwing that out there. I mean, that definitely could be the case. I know I've had this discussion with uh, musicians that I know of here in Spain, you know, just regional musicians that um, that I get along with really well, and and a lot of them have pointed out, you know, sort of saying that in the last, you know, ten to fifteen years, that music has really evolved into uh, not only a hobby, as as you're sort of pointing to, but also as something that uh, that you actually have to have a lot of money to invest in. So it's actually becoming more of a, you know, middle class to, you know, rich kids um, t- type of deal. Right. Uh, no, I hear you. Hey, uh, not to change the subject, George Ernie C's PR guy just emailed and he said, did he call you on time? I'm saying, no, he hasn't called yet. The line is definitely open, right? Yes, without a doubt. Uh, okay, I'm saying he hasn't called yet. We are ready for him. You don't happen to have the number handy, do you? I actually do. If we don't get Ernie C on the line soon, we should actually cold call Donnie G. Bill Wang, that is. <laughs> I got to see if I have his number still. Bill um, Wang? Yeah. Let, let's see. Um, all right. So the the number that Ernie needs to call, you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Th- uh, three two three. Okay. 
Or hopefully none of the current Talking Metal listeners are going to call that. Guys, if you're listening to the live show, don't fuck us up by by calling that. I could see I could see that happening. All right, so I just emailed that back to him and we will see what other yeah. news we got going on there, Victor. Uh, it seems as if Motley Crue has just debuted a, a new track uh, on their new tour, on their farewell tour, and eager to hear what that sounds like. Was what is that? All things die or something? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, that, Mitch. That's... Mitch uh, posted the the set list from the other night, and I, I thought it was a good set list. I was looking over it. On with the show was in there. Right. And I'll, right, let me go to Mitch's Facebook page see if I can pull that up. But I'm I'm anxious to uh, to see the crew. I have uh, tickets for the Madison Square Garden show, and cool. excited to see it. I, they're playing PNC, which is close. Excuse me, close to my house uh, before MSG. But I guess I'm going to wait for the MSG thing. By the way, hey guys, Mitch Lafon does a show on talking. Metal Digital, you can check that out on TalkingMetalDigital.com in the one-on-one one-on-one uh, section. You can check out Victor on his Mars Attacks podcast in the Mars Attacks section of TalkingMetal.com or TalkingMetalDigital.com. Yeah, here's the cruise set list. Motherfucker of the Year is what they open up with. Wild Side, Primal Scream, Same Old Situation, Looks the Kill, On With The Show, Too Fast For Love, All Bad Things. That's the new track, right? Yeah. Um, Mick Mars, Guitar Solo. I tell you, the last time I saw Mick Mars, like when I saw them like back in like 2001, 2002, I think it was 2002, I thought Mick was playing so good. But the last time I saw them, I felt like any of the, the like little quick runs in his solo like even that that fast part in home sweet home like with that shredding part of the solo he wasn't doing that and it made me wonder if he his bone thing that's going on with him was somehow affecting his his playing i don't know but the set list goes on you can check it out on mitch lafon's uh facebook page but Motherfucker of the Year is kind of an interesting song to open up with because it's not really a popular song. It's off of Saints of Los Angeles. And really, to me, the only real kind of popular song or the most popular song off that album was the title track. So that, that's, that's an interesting song to, to open with, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I got to see them during that tour, actually, here in Spain, and, and they actually played that track. During the show that I saw, they, they? they okay. played. Yeah, they played uh, both "Motherfucker of the Year" and "Saints of Los Angeles." When I got to see them, all right. Let me jump. I, so we said Mick Mars guitar solo. Then they play "Smoking in the Boys Room," which I tell you, I haven't seen Motley Crue play that song in a long time. I don't know like when the la- yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know when the last time they played that was. Yeah, they they may have not played that since. Uh, since Theater of Pain actually came out. Yeah. Then Without You, Saints of Los Angeles, a song that I just freaking love. Anarchy in the UK, Too too Young to Fall in Love, which is cool because they didn't play that the last two times I've, saw, I've seen Motley Crue. 
Shout right. at the Devil. Of course, it's the 90s version of Shout at the Devil, which is basically what they've done the last couple times I've seen them. They do the they updated the classic song Shout at the Devil in the in the mid to late 90s. Don't go away mad. Livewire, Dr. Feelgood, Girls, 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 Kickstart My Heart, and Home Sweet Home. Cool. Eh, sounds like a, a fun set list. I wonder if it'll change from night to night or if it'll be, you know, they're, they're playing like hundreds of shows or if that'll just be the set list every single night. Knowing them, it'll probably be the same set list every night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, remember when Maiden did the Power Slave tour? They played like hundreds and hundreds of shows in every show, at least in the United States. I think they mixed the set list up a little bit in Europe. Right. But they, they literally played, you know, hundreds of shows, every, every one the same. I saw them in, I saw them like two times on that, that tour. And I saw them like in the winter. And then I saw them like eight, nine months later, which when you're a 15, 14, 15 year old kid, that's, that's an eternity. Uh, and it was the same freaking set list, and I was very disappointed. Nothing off of Killers, which really bummed me out on that American leg of the Power Slave tour. Nothing off of Killers. I think in the, I think in the uh, the the European shows they on the Power Slave tour they did play. I want to trying to think one song Wrath- Wrathchild. Yeah, I think they did do Wrathchild. Because it's on yeah. side four, right, of uh, of the live record. Yeah, Live After Death. Live After Death, yeah. And that side, I believe, was recorded in either London or somewhere in Europe. Yep, Hammersmith Odeon in London. Yes. So, uh, George, Ernie C's publicist, says he's going to call in. He might just be running a little late. <laughs> I just sent him a reminder. Let's see. I just sent him a reminder he should be calling shortly. I'm so sorry for the delay. Let me know in 15 minutes if you are on the phone with him or not, please. And that was sent seven minutes ago, and we're still not on the phone with him. So (laughs) hopefully soon. We'd love to talk with Ernie. We are standing by for Ernie. Should we get into a song? Um, What do you want to get into? I have a few different things queued up here. What do you got? Uh, let's see. I have the the new Slash track with Miles Kennedy, which is the the first track that he's done, I think, with Miles that has really jumped out at me. Cool. Let's hear that. I haven't heard it. Okay. Cool. Name of the track is "World on Fire," and that's the title track to the new Slash album. So right. We're gonna check out a little new Slash, guys. You're listening to Talking Metal live on Live 365, or you're listening sometime after July 4th on the podcast version. So it's July 3rd here in New Jersey. And what, it's already July 4th over there in Spain, right, Victor? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into a little new slash right now on Talking Metal.
A little snippet there of the the new Metallica song there, Lords of Summer. I mean, the track that track is all right. This is sort of what we were talking about off air, where you know people just automatically think that when someone's name is attached to something, that it's like the greatest thing, regardless of of what the quality is like. I mean, right. that track is okay, but I mean, it just seems like it's it's a leftover of the Death Magnetic album and. You know, I, I like Death Magnetic, but everything they've released since it just seems like it's just been leftover pieces that they just found in, you know, Pro Tools one day and said, oh, let's just piece this all together. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. So. Should be interesting, uh, you know, to see what Metallica comes out with, you know, in addition to this. Just like non. Not having Rick Rubin's involvement. You know, Rick gets a lot of shit from people, but I do feel like there's something about him that is able to kind of 
circle people back and, and bring them back, help them tap into their roots, into the, the things that made them excited about music back in the day. I'm specifically right. talking about the older artists he, he works with. But I'm always interested in anything that, that Rick does. Uh, and I, th- I thought there were some good moments on the Death Magnetic record by Metallica. I didn't think it was all great, but I thought there were some good moments on it. So it should be interesting to see if they can continue to give us classic-sounding stuff with the the next release. So anyway, still no word from Ernie C. I, I, you know, I'm kind of bummed. That's the one thing about doing these live shows. It's like, eh, it's it, it sucks when you have something scheduled and it cancels. We had this guy, yeah. Dan the Count, from the History Channel's Counting Cars show was supposed to call in tonight, and he canceled last minute because he's shooting a new episode and it ran over. He was going to come on and talk music with us and tell us about his band. And then we were also supposed to have Ernie C. from Body Count. And he was supposed to call in 34 minutes ago, and he has still not called in. So I'm starting to think that that's not going to happen either, which which sucks because I know you're a big Body Count fan, and I definitely am digging the new record. And yeah, kind of kind of stinks. But I'll tell you what, Victor, if we do get him back at some point, to reschedule, I will make sure you're involved in the interview with me, even if it's not part of a live show. Sound good? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be thrilled to do it and and appreciate being able to do it with you. So cool, cool. All right, so we got some more news, right? We were talking about Motley Crue. What else is going on? Yeah, the the other thing that sort of you know, uh, so there are a few other points here that I've written down. Some of these are. Maybe somewhat controversial, but the one sort of head scratcher for me was after listening to the interview that you did with George Lynch, how we talked about Michael Sweet being involved with uh, TNA, that Michael Sweet is now saying that he's working on a project with George, James Lomenzo, and Brian Titchy. Wow. So I don't that, know that info. I believe has been released already. Like I think that info is out there. That's a project that was basically put together by a record company thing and George uh, record company guy or record company money or something. And George initially he, you know, George wasn't a striper fan. He's not even really a big fan of eighties metal. So he was kind of like went into that project thinking, Oh yeah, I'll do this. I'll lay down some tracks. And it sounds like from what he was telling me, he wasn't really even that expecting that much out of it and then he got the tracks back and he was like wow this is good this is what you know hard rock metal should sound like he was really into it and that record is done it's in the can he didn't spend a lot of time on it he's thrilled he's happy about the way it turned out the big news that he revealed on talking metal that no one picked up Blabbermouth didn't pick it up. I think Brave Words posted a link to the interview, but I don't even think they mentioned the big news is that George, you know, not having really ever been a Striper fan, not really knowing much about Michael Sweet, was so excited by this record that he did with with Michael Sweet, Tishy, and James Lamenda, Lomenzo that he's now 
working on a whole other thing, basically TNN, basically Dokken without Don with Michael Sweet. It's, so it's going to be Mick Brown, Don, um, Don Dokken. No, it's going to be Mick Brown, Jeff Pilsen, George, and Michael Sweet doing music together. So uh, that's pretty exciting. I heard some kind of little beeping going on there, Victor. Are we, uh, are we on with Ernie C.? Uh, nothing on my end. Oh, okay. I heard some, bloop, bloop, bloop. I don't know what the fuck that was, Skype or something. Oh, and here's an email from George saying, yes, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time getting a hold of him. Let's check his availability for net next week. Oh, okay. So there you have it, folks. <laughs> the, the Ethan Broach Award yeah. goes to, uh. Ernie C. We did this show basically uh, a special live edition of Talking Metal on on a, a holiday eve here, July third, specifically to talk to Ernie C. And that's it, no Ernie C. So there you have it, guys. Motherfucker. All right. So, what what other news is there, Victor? Uh, there's there's the whole thing with Bruce Dickinson criticizing people for using auto cue, and I I didn't know what he was talking about initially, and then all of a sudden when I read the entire interview I figured out he was basically going after Ozzy and uh, and afterwards Rob Halford which I thought was sort of odd given their past and everything and. Uh, what is that like auto fix? Like it corrects the your pitch and stuff, or what? What, what the no. fuck is auto cue? Teleprompters that they're using teleprompters up on stage, and he pretty much says that the most ridiculous one that he saw was basically Rob Halford having the lyrics for "Breaking the Law" up on a screen, and he was saying that it was ridiculous seeing the end of the track where it's just you know "Breaking the Law" repeated. 20 some odd times or however num- number of times it is and every single time that he had to say it it appeared on the on the teleprompter so he was saying that it was ridiculous and pretty much you know saying that you know it shouldn't be that big of a deal to remember your own lyrics and you know after all the dates that they're doing and yeah. you know they're to do this that it's sort of you know, crappy for people to have to pay for a show and see some some dude just standing there looking at a teleprompter right. the whole time. You know, I love Bruce, and I'm a big supporter of Maiden, one of my favorite bands, Kiss and Maiden, probably my two favorite bands. Yeah, me too. Having said that, it, Bruce can go fuck himself on this. I mean, it's like this is what this is what got him into trouble. Isn't that one thing he said way back when there was the the blowout? on Ozfest with with Maiden and Sharon and Ozzy wasn't he like commenting that Ozzy had to use teleprompters who the fuck cares i mean it's like listen Ozzy's dyslexic these guys are old men uh, listen i'm a yo- i'm young compared to them i'm not young i'm in my 40s but uh, uh, compared to those guys and when i played in a band when i was in my 30s i haven't played in a real band in the last you know 5 6 years but I used to have to write my lyrics down and have cues and I would put like cue cards on stage. Now I wasn't out there doing it every night and maybe if I was I would have had things memorized. You know, I played a gig a month, a gig every 2 months. But right. memorizing lyrics for some people is 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 
harder than others. And Bruce is an intelligent guy. He's an I, you know, he's almost got this Ivy League Renaissance man type of thing. He does all this different shit. But it's like, who the fuck cares if they have a teleprompter? I don't fucking care. I'd rather have them have a teleprompter as a safety net than hear them spew out wrong lyrics or miscues. It's like, what's the big fucking deal? I mean, it's like you you watch TV shows, you watch SNL, you watch any of these sitcoms on TV. Everybody's got teleprompters. I, I listen. I work in the TV TV. <laughs> I work in the TV business. My yinglings are almost gone here, guys. Uh, and um, everyone has teleprompters. You know, I, I granted the TV people. There, you know, it's a one-off script that they do once, and and so forth. And yeah, Rob Halford should know the lyrics to "Breaking the Law," being that he's been singing it for thirty, forty years. But on the flip side, it's like who who really fucking cares? I don't, I don't care if they have a teleprompter. I really don't. I, it makes absolutely no difference to me. And I mean, when I saw Guns the last time, usually you could see Axel's teleprompter on stage. However, you couldn't see it at the last show I was at. However, I do think it was probably still there, just camouflaged a little bit more. And it doesn't need to be. I, I don't care if these guys are, are using teleprompters. It makes absolutely no difference to me whatsoever. You know, the guitar solos in a lot of these bands, sometimes they're spot on note for note every night. Other guys like Tony Iommi and George Lynch, for that matter, you know, they play different renditions and they they don't really know exactly their own solos that were recorded note for note. And they they kind of interpret it a little bit different each and every night. And you have that liberty with guitar solos. I mean, some people will pick you apart and say they should have played it note for note, but improvisation is a little bit more highly regarded, but you don't want to hear Rob Halford start to improvise breaking the law lyrics, or maybe you do. I mean, look at the way Zeppelin used to play live, but I I think Bruce, it's like, it's such a stupid thing to bring up. I, I, I really could care less. How do you feel Victor about teleprompters? Do you think it's laziness? Do you think these guys should know and you can disagree, know their own lyrics. You can disagree with me. I mean, there are two different points here. I mean, I think you brought up a lot of uh, good points there because Dave Murray has mentioned, you know, on one of the Iron Maiden DVDs that he never plays a a solo note for note the same way that when he's up on stage, that if he feels like taking a solo in another direction, that he does it. So, I mean, someone in his own band is saying it. Um my only issue is that when Halford started doing it was that he would just stand in on stage and he would only move during the the song Metal Gods and that was it. You know, so it sort of sucked just So to you're see saying him. that he wasn't moving because he had to be in a position to read the teleprompter? The teleprompter. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I buy that. I mean, don't you think he, he's not moving because he's like a sixty something year old guy and he's just like not jumping around like he used to. I mean, I don't know. You, do you really believe he was? And I'm, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just asking. Do you really believe that he was standing in place so he could simply read the lyrics? It it looked like it to me. Like um, when when I've seen them live, it seemed like that was the case. But it could be what you're saying as well. I mean, the the dude is in his 60s and he's not. 
you know, it, it isn't Rob Halford at Live Aid anymore who's, you know, jumping around all over the place and, you know, and really has the, the energy or the, the ability to, right. you know, really belt the songs out or, or, or maybe, you know, has, you know, whatever, had, had an easier time remembering lyrics back then. So, I mean, everyone's different. I mean, as long as you're getting a good show, I mean, it isn't as if, you know, I don't know, I, I'm actually probably would be more worried about showing up and just the overall show just sucking more more than just having you know a singer rely on a teleprompter now and then and right right well as as i think it's, i think it's just more, such it's yeah it, it's such a to me it's just such a stupid thing to argue yeah. about I, I i could care less for me it i don't hold it against anybody rob halford axel ozzy Anybody who's using a teleprompter, I, I have no issue with that at all. And maybe, listen, I'm a dyslexic guy. I have trouble with stuff like that. Maybe I get it a little bit more. Maybe it's right. just so effortless for for Bruce that, you know, he can't imagine it. Maybe it's not effortless. Maybe he works his ass off learning the lyrics and memorizing them and studying them. To me, as a fan, as somebody who goes to these shows, I don't, I don't care. I guess it would bum me out if, if I thought what you're thinking, Victor, that they're just standing in one place to read the lyrics. But with Ozzy and Axel, I've never felt that. I mean, both those guys, especially Ozzy, you know, he's a little older now, but last time I saw Sabbath, he was all over the stage and, and really working hard up there. And I, I respect that and didn't think the uh the teleprompter mattered whatsoever to me personally what else is happening in the news uh the the other thing that has already started being thrown out there is phil collin of def leppard saying that he could care less if def leppard make it into the rock hall or not and yeah. instantly i started thinking of kiss again you know right. because all these Bands say that they could care less until they they actually go in and are inducted. So yeah, huh? Well, just so, so, sort of odd. They've uh, sold so many records. You know, they they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without question, and so many great songs. But whatever, we'll yeah, we'll see what happens when it actually happens, right? I mean, to me, the big news about Def Leppard is. That Vivian's Vivian Campbell yeah. Yeah. Uh, cancer has has sounds like it's returned and he's going to be doing treatment while he's out on this Kiss tour and looking to do a stem cell treatment or transfer or something or another after the tour is over. So I love Vivian. I'm quite excited that he's working with the Dio band again last in line which i've been following on facebook they post a lot of cool stuff and i think he's a great guy and i wish him the best and was a little bit bummed to hear that that uh that cancer yeah. has has returned and i want to get a lot more out of vivian musically just as a fan so to me that's the big news with def leppard and and i gotta just send a big wish and listen i'm not a religious guy or i'd say prayer but um you know just my thoughts are with vivian and his family and let's let's hope he can get through this 
and I look forward to seeing him on tour with Kiss this uh, this year for sure. Yeah, the, the first thing that came to mind when I read that was it sort of soured the um, the whole Dio tribute album and not having him him involved and thinking you know it's just so stupid that after everything that Ronnie went through and now Vivian's going through a lot of stuff that you know the 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 hatchet couldn't have been buried and right. he couldn't have been involved somehow and you know it would have been very cool to have him appear on the album but hopefully they they do get that last in line material out there at some point and more importantly as you're saying hopefully he recovers and yeah he's doing better yeah, so that's, that's the most important thing for sure definitely definitely now haven't they recorded some stuff with Jeff Pilson yes yeah yeah they have now i was uh, hoping to meet up with jeff this uh, was it this week no it was last week i was hoping to meet up with jeff at the sticks foreigner show just a few miles from my house but, but however last week was possibly the worst work week i've had in in years i was working literally round the clock trying to balance two jobs which i spoke about a little bit on the last episode of talking metal but um yeah, I missed the show, so kind of bummed about that. But I wanted to ask Jeff about that. I'll have to, you know what, I should reach out to Jeff and get him back on Talking Metal sometime soon. Yeah, Vin- Vinny mentioned, I, I don't believe, or, or I don't recall, I should say, whether he mentioned uh, if they were if they had demoed tracks at his house or if they'd actually started recording. But he, he does reference that during the last interview that I did with him. Cool, cool. Any other news you wanna you wanna hit before we get out of here? Uh, th- those were the the things that sort of stood out to me the most when I sort of glanced through uh, Blabbermouth earlier today. Uh, I'm sure there are others that that I'm missing, but uh, well, dude, thank you so much for staying up all night long to talk to Ernie C tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, no, I just yeah, it's just like. It makes me not want to do live shows anymore because it's like half the time. Well, not half the time, but one fifth of the time we don't get these people calling in on time. And it's, uh, you know, maybe we should do what other sh- shows do and just record the interviews ahead of time and pretend like the people are calling in live because that's what half these TV shows and radio shows do. Radio, yeah. yeah. So when you try to actually have a guy call in and do a live interview, it's like one one fifth, one fourth of the time, it, something gets messed up. So, yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, I, I've had someone that that I was supposed to interview, and I spent twelve bucks basically just getting his his answering machine, right? And had a bunch of bullshit just being thrown at me. Oh well, you know, you should have done this. You should have done that. I'm thinking, well. <laughs> You know, I don't know what else you want me to do. If you're giving me interview times and the Joker isn't picking up the phone, there really isn't much more you can do. So Yeah, exactly. Well, like I said, if we get Ernie C. back, I'll try to get you involved in the interview, Victor. We got interviews coming up with Skid Row. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Trauma, Cliff, Cliff Burton's old band. We're going to have on Talking right. Metal. And Victor just interviewed Tommy... Victor of Prong, who was actually, you know, I, I, I did meet Tommy and hung out with him in L.A. back when we were doing the Fuse show. We had him on on Talking Metal. And 
who else is coming up? I I should I should interview Tommy at some point. Um, I you know I sent an email to Doyle because huh. I just was so into that that album he put out last year, telling him he should come on Talking Metal. Never heard back. Hmm. Mitch Lafon's of course is doing a lot of great interviews. He gets stuff a little bit outside of the heavy metal category at some point. Honeymoon Suite, Glass Tiger, Ben Tease, Black Star Riders, he recently interviewed. So go check him out in the one on one section on talkingmetal.com. Please send us a PayPal donation. Use that PayPal tab on talkingmetal.com. Give Victor's podcast a listen, Mars Attacks at MarsAttacksRadio.com or right on the Talking Metal site in the Mars Attacks section. And I guess that's about it. Go to our Facebook page. It's Talking Metal or Talking Metal Digital. We have two Facebook pages. Uh, go to my Facebook page, which is, which is Facebook.com slash Striegel. That's M-S-T-R-I-G-L. What's your uh, Facebook page, Victor? Uh, just facebook.com forward slash VMR907. All right, dude. And what do you want to do to take us out here? Uh, well, I was sort of hyped to play um, the Black Sabbath track, Kiss of Death. I, I honestly think that Forbidden is an overlooked album in their catalog. Uh, I think it does have you know, three or four really strong tracks on it. And actually, there's a riff that... Um, there are actually m more than one riff, I should say. There are riffs that are taken from this album that are reused on both 13 by Black Sabbath and on the Heaven and Hell album. The, um, uh, I was about to say the... Yeah, the... What was the last album with um, with Ronnie? The Devil, Devil You Know? Devil You Know, yep. Okay. Was, I was I was thinking that it was Anthrax for for some reason because of their song. But anyway, there are riffs taken from this album that I don't know if this is a case where Tony thought that they were great riffs and it was a shame that you know that the albums didn't get the exposure that they felt they deserved or whatnot. But uh, definitely for the hardcore fans that enjoy you know to the Tony Martin years and and every other. Uh, era of the band outside of the Ozzy era, I think you really have to look at the track Kiss of Death as being one of the strongest tracks that Tony has recorded uh, throughout his entire Sabbath legacy. So um, I have that on on tap to end the show. All right, cool. Well, we'll go with that, and we can always repeat it in a future future episode if we actually get Bernie C on the line. Victor, thank you for hanging with me tonight i apologize we didn't get ernie here but as always great talking with you absolutely i mean even though ernie wasn't on uh i was was a blast talking to you as always and always fun hanging out to the wee hours of the morning just talking metal with you cool all right dude
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.